Matt Sakaris here alongside Blake Price, Grady Sask, hitting switches, conducting things, a special emergency edition of Sakaris and Price after the Canucks swing in a massive trade for Calgary centerman Elias Lindholm. And Blake, it's all brought to you by our friends at Applewood Auto. And uh, Applewood has so many great dealers to choose from, but uh, hey, I'm going to pick the one closest to home for me or closest to the heart for me, Mitsubishi. Uh, in the Richmond Auto Mall, Applewood Mitsubishi's got the Outlander GT right now. And I mean the 2024 with financing rates from 4.99% plus the industry's best warranty. Go check them all out because it's all good at Applewood. Yeah, it sure is. And we're firing a poll question at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. Do you like the Elias Lindholm trade for the Vancouver Canucks? Well, let's just reset everything that's happened in advance of the mm-hmm. All-Star game Blake and uh, we actually took these couple of days off as Sakarison Price, the Daily Show, with no games going on. The Canucks on their bye week, but reminded listeners uh, as we were heading out the door on Monday, if big news breaks, there will be an emergency pod and show. And sure enough, here we are. You don't see many five for one trades in the National Hockey League is this kind of reminds me of like a big baseball trade, Blake, where, you know, somebody moves at the deadline for a number of pieces. So let's just run it down in terms of what's happened here. The Canucks acquire Elias Lindholm, the Calgary centerman. They are trading Andre Kuzmenko, the winger who had such a marvelous first year NHL campaign for them last year with 39 goals they're trading a pair of prospects here hunter bristevich would be the big name the right shot third round defenseman from the kitchener rangers an american who is just tearing up the ontario hockey league this year setting records yanni yermo a draft pick from several years ago a big fan who didn't look like he was working out more of a stalling out prospect and then a first round pick in 2024 and a conditional fourth round pick First things first, buddy, um, before we, and we're going to try and get Jeff Patterson in here. Jeff is traveling, so we're hopeful that we'll get some cooperative uh, Wi-Fi and technology wherever Jeff's at. Uh, your first impressions of the trade, Blake? Well, let me say this. Yanni Yermo, the longest of long shots. A third-round pick that is a, a heavily defensive-orientated defenseman. If he even has a chance of making it here, he's been playing the last few years in the SM Liga. I'm going to throw him out. It's the longest odds of scratching wins. The fourth round pick I'm throwing out as well, because folks, the condition upon that is that they make it to the Western conference final. If they make it to the Western conference final with this roster, you give exactly zero shits about the fact that you have to give them that fourth round pick. So you're throwing that out. So you're basically down to Bristevich, the first round pick this year and Andre Kuzmenko, which I will throw it back in your court here. Matt is Andre Kuzmenko, and and we have to search within our souls. Addition by subtract by subtraction here, in that he was never gonna maybe never gonna find his his footing again and a scoring touch again. He has another year on his contract that the Vancouver Canucks would be guaranteed to have to pay up of over five million dollars mm-hmm. per per season. Um, and it opens up some cap space for them a little bit of extra cap space with the salaries going back and forth that you could also argue even within that scope, it's a positive. So, um, I mean, in a lot of ways, it might, for me, come down to just Bristevich and the first round pick. So I'll answer your question, um, in sort of a middle of the road fence sitting way, but Hmm. I do think there's a difference between this year and next year. It is not an inconsequential loss to this year's 
roster or lineup. We talked about this last week. The next forward up for the Vancouver Canucks beyond your 12 in a playoff series for now, and that could change, is Linus Carlson, who hasn't shown a heck of a lot, nor Phil DiGiuseppe, uh, lest we forget PDG, who has been who has been hurt. So we talked about how the Vancouver Canucks were not the deepest group of forwards to begin with. And we also talked about how some of the players that are out on the market could be acquired without having to give up a forward, thus bolstering your depth. I still wasn't willing to count Kuzmenko completely out for either what's left of this regular season or as a specialist contributor in the playoffs if you need a goal, if you get an injury to an offensive player, and certainly as a power play uh, specialist. I do agree that being able to free up the $5.5 million that you otherwise would have paid Kuzmenko for next season is a big plus because that gives you the ability to either re-sign um, Elias Lindholm or, of course, put that money towards Elias Pettersson, Philip Ronick, or all the other unrestricted free agents they have. And a reminder, this is not an inconsequential group of unrestricted free agents that they have in the summer. You're looking at guys who have been contributors this year, Dakota Joshua, Teddy Bluger, Sam Lafferty, uh, and then, of course, Ian Cole on defense, Nikita Zadorov, uh, if any of them you think have futures with the Vancouver Canucks. So, look, he was not Kuzmenko, a Rec Talkett player. I think there was good evidence to suggest he was never going to be a Rec Talkett player. That doesn't mean he couldn't have been helpful in the right spots at somewhere down the road here, either in the regular season or in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's bring Jeff Patterson in inside Vancouver, our Canucks reporter, uh, who is busy trying to get away on vacation. Jeff, your first uh, blush thoughts at this big trade. Yeah, I guess it's that I shouldn't try to take vacations at All-Star break anymore because uh, last year you guys got me on the golf course when Bo Horvat was dealt. And it's been uh, the travel day from hell. I won't get into details, but uh, I haven't left Vancouver Um spent most of the day at the airport and still on the ground here uh, before traveling, trying to travel again tomorrow. So uh, with all of that, uh, my head wasn't exactly in the space of trying to break down a big trade, but uh, have had some time obviously to uh, process it all. And look, I mean, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about uh, the needs of this hockey club. I've said uh, all along that they had to do something in their top six. Well, they've done that now. Uh, they get a right shot center, a guy that just turned 29 years of age, a couple of years removed from a 42-goal, 82-point season, and did it under Daryl Sutter. So he's got some experience in producing under a hard-nosed coach. Um, it, it wasn't working for Kuzmenko. And we're just asking an awful lot of Elias Pettersson to continue to try to play his way uh, through what the coach perceived as a little bit of a mid-season funk. Um, and so they've gone and they've upgraded to that position. And now they've got two guys named Elias and uh, hopefully they can find some chemistry beyond their name. They're still going to have to figure out how to get Ilya Mikheyev going. But uh, I, I like the player. Uh, I, I like the versatility that he brings. I like the fact that he's an absolute face-off ace, 53% for his career, but above that the last couple of seasons and second on the flames in shorthanded ice time this season behind only Chris Tanev also you would think that he probably replaces Pia Suter, who's been the stopgap on that first unit power play. So good opportunity for him there. I know it's been a down season for him offensively, but I think he's a better player than his numbers would indicate for this year at the very least. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, you know, I guess I'm a believer that uh, the team that gets the better player, uh, you know, should win the trade. But obviously time will tell on what they had to give up. But the fact that they didn't have to touch Hoaglander or Pud Colson or Lakaramaki or Villander, you know, to mm-hmm. me, that represents a win as well. So a few things there by way of follow-up, and I see Yerke with the comment there. This now makes six All-Stars for the Vancouver Canucks at All-Star Weekend in Toronto. Just an extraordinary uh, number because Elias Lindholm was the Calgary Flames representative. Face-off ace, Jeff, and I think he hit a right shot face-off ace. And gosh, how long have we been talking about getting some right-handed centers into the Vancouver Canucks lineup to balance uh, to balance things off? Look, the best player in the trade and whoever gets them, that team wins. That's been thrown a little bit in a flux in the salary cap era. I think you can make a quantity for quality trade that works out in your favor. What I will say here is, uh, as Jeff noted with the Horvat trade, once again, the Vancouver Canucks and and Jim Rutherford, their president of hockey operations, early movers, move the market, Hell, he called his shot on overdrive today, TSN, where Rutherford uh, basically told uh, the host there that uh, we make may make a trade before All-Star Weekend. And the other thing that this is going to do is I think it's going to make the other Western Conference contenders take note that the Vancouver Canucks are coming and that they're coming with a much fuller deck than you might have suspected uh, even just a couple of days ago. Well, guys, I think if you look at the Canucks schedule, you probably have coming out of the All-Star break at Carolina, at Boston, and then those weekend matinees at Detroit and Washington, you know, finally the easy game there in a four and really five and a half day stretch coming out of the All-Star break. Why wouldn't you load up if you knew that you were going to go all in here and pay a price to get a player? Why not bring him in? He's going to be able to have a little meet and greet in Toronto with half the roster, including the head coach and get some intel on the way things are going. I mean, he's played in Calgary. Obviously, he has a pretty good handle on the Vancouver Canucks, and Zadorov's already in the locker room, at least for now. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot of things that should ease the transition in that regard. But I think timing does play a factor in all of this, that we've talked about all these big games after the All-Star break with 33 to go. You know, could they have waited and seen where the market was and what the prices were going to be? Sure. But again, that's not Jim, in Jim Rutherford's nature. So I'm not surprised that they jumped the market. But also, they're getting a quality, quality piece here that's going to be available to them starting next Tuesday in Carolina and then for all of those games uh, the rest of the way. So I like it in that regard because I do think that, uh, you know, they need some reinforcements again, especially up front uh, in their top six. So I like the timing of the deal. But, you know, the one thing I'll say is mixed results for this player in the postseason. Now, he's been there three times. 17 points in 27 career postseason games. So he hasn't exactly lit it up in the playoffs. Of course, the Battle of Alberta uh, on the wrong end a couple of years ago there, uh, also in the bubble. So, you know, you'd like to think that there are better days ahead in the playoffs, and certainly they're making this move here with an eye to the postseason. But, you know, this isn't the guy that comes in as an absolute playoff ace, but there is some room for improvement there. And on this roster and with this group, uh, the hope is that uh, he'll get a chance to play deep into the playoffs and be productive when he's there. Do you want him down the middle? Do, do Does Elias Pettersson play the wing with Lindholm, or is it even that hybrid that they used to have with Miller sometimes where Lindholm takes the draw perhaps and yet it's Pettersson who's prowling in the middle? How do you see this going down if, if those two are indeed together? Yeah, I, and I think there is flexibility and versatility, and I think both of the Eliases have played both the middle and the wing. I think of Lindholm as a center, and so – I won't be surprised if that's where the Canucks plug him in right away. 
uh, because Elias Pettersson's been playing the wing here with JT Miller on the lotto line when they were together uh, for their recent run. So uh, we know that he can be productive uh, on the wing, but also uh, Rick Talkin has talked about wanting to get him back in the middle. So, you know, again, I think that you've got 33 games here to sort of optimize your lineup to figure out who's best suited to play where. But my hunch, uh, without having a chance to talk to talk it, uh, will be that Lindholm will get the opportunity to play down the middle and that they'll keep Elias Patterson on the wing for the time being. Yeah, and Blake, if you'll recall, our Frank Corrado, who joins us uh, weekly on Sakaris and Price, TSN hockey analyst, former Vancouver Canuck, he really liked the fit of Elias Lindholm on the Vancouver Canucks based on what Lindholm does well and what other Vancouver Canucks players do well. I'll read this tweet from Jay Fresh Hockey because I think that speaks to it even further. Uh, he says he's an off-puck player specializing in getting open for high-danger looks rather than spending a lot of time with possession himself. Needs to play with a, with strong passers and puck movers to excel. Well, that very much sounds like there could be a, a fantastic fit there with Elias Pettersson, who, as we all know, is a puck possession guy and is a very strong passer and a puck mover as well. I like what Jeff said, and, and this has long been a Rutherford philosophy. It is hard to integrate a player after the trade deadline when you're looking at, in a lot of cases, less than 20 games to get the guy in town and forging chemistry with his new team. He is and his new line mates in this case, you're going to have 33 games for this player to be able to associate and, and integrate with the with the current group of Vancouver Canucks. And then, guys, there's the look, and uh this is not something that we necessarily want to consider that Vancouver Canucks fans necessarily want to consider. But right now, Elias Pettersson is unsigned. And if for whatever reason, Elias Pettersson does not want to continue his career in Vancouver, you have brought a player in-house that you may well re-sign as the replacement for Elias, if Elias does want to be somewhere else after this season. I know nobody wants to think about that, but Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford are paid to consider a world without Elias Pettersson. And until EP Signature is on a contract, I think you have to consider that for uh, uh, uh that's at least got to be in the back of your mind i do want to ask you both this because i think we had the debate last week on the show can you re-sign this player before you re-sign elias Pettersson, or is that too politically uh is that sensitive political territory jeff what do you think well just to go back to your further your earlier point about you know insurance in the event that elias Pettersson leaves you know, Lindholm set to hit the open market on July 1st, as Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford keep saying, well, they've got this player under club control for a year beyond this. And so there are decisions that would have to be made and dominoes that would have to fall. Uh, but, you know, there is only so much money to go around. And this is another player that's going to command an awful lot of it and probably a long term here. Mm -hmm. And so you've got Pedersen that, you know, they have made their pitch too, and balls in his court. But obviously, Philip Heronik's going to require some attention as well. Uh, sure, the cap's going up, but the OEL situation. So, uh, you know, it's another big domino in all of this. If uh, we want to put it in, you know, another ball in the air as, as they juggle all of these decisions. You know, to me, the fact that this didn't come with an extension built in, that it wasn't a, a sign and trade or anything like that. You know, they're looking at this player in the here and now to help them as a rental with the opportunity, I suppose, to 
by long term. But I, I, I think that there is going to be a feeling out process on both sides here. Uh, perhaps Elias Lindholm wasn't prepared to commit to the Vancouver Canucks at this stage. Maybe he wants to sort of get a feel for the situation and the lay of the land. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a delicate dance. There's no doubt about that. Uh, how much money does uh, each of the Elias Eliases uh, get mm-hmm. in all of this and uh, and who would go first? And yeah, I mean, these are all things that have to be considered, certainly. But at the end of the day, they have Elias Lindholm now for the remainder of this season. He makes them a better hockey club. Um, and you hope that he's excited that, you know, the Flames yeah. are a 500 team. Like, and they're at the point where the Canucks have been the last couple of years. You can look at them and say, oh, you know, they're not that far from the playoff bar, but they're, they're a 500 team essentially at the 50 game mark. Like they would have to get on an absolute heater to be a playoff team this year. I don't think it's going to happen. They're a weaker team now, obviously without Lindholm. So I think they've sort of made their decision there. Uh, I hope Elias Lindholm is excited to get the opportunity to come here uh, and perform for a team that obviously uh, has shown what's, what it's capable of to this point. And now adding a piece like this, uh, you know, who knows uh, what is their limit. Uh, They've gone all in here. Uh, clearly, they think that they can make some noise come playoff time. Do you Let's just work on our listener there, Lyle, who says, or it could convince Patterson to uh, that uh, convince him to resign because he gets excited either because they have a deep playoff run here or because they find a way somehow to keep both Elias's uh, Lindholm as the UFA, Patterson as the RFA this summer. Sorry, as, Blake. But... As I've said from the start, though, with regards to the, the Patterson decision about when to sign, he's made his bed there. Uh, I mean, if they make overtures to Lindholm and he wants to sign between now and the trade deadline now and the end of the season, I mean, they've tried with Pedersen and they can always make it abundantly clear. Hey, we're signing Lindholm. Your money's here too. Don't worry when you want to come get it, it's here, but that's an Elias Pedersen decision. And I'm not knocking Pedersen for that decision, but he's got to understand the business continues. The earth continues to revolve around the sun. Um, uh, and, and, and they have to conduct other business. So I don't think that can reasonably be considered, uh, if they do want to resign with Lindholm, um, and think well, like it's not just the politic, it's also the commit the dollars and then not have enough for Patterson. So mm-hmm. well, there's you, two different prongs there. One one, the political sensibilities of yeah, you know, you've waited so long to uh, commit long term to Patterson to begin with. Secondly, do you want to commit money to Lindholm before you know uh before you commit money to Patterson? But well, I hear two things I, have I, happened I positively. Two things have happened positively there. They've of course gotten rid of the second year of Kuzmango that we talked about, and um, they've got a little bit more cap space in the here and now. And if you want to talk, this isn't definitive yet, but it sounds like they're not sold on Nikita Zadorov as we have sort of seen from the coach. But, you know, there's been these little bits of rumors and innuendo that maybe they could even flip Zadorov between now and the trade deadline. And maybe that becomes a cheaper option rather than re-signing that former flame and giving him a pay bump uh, going into next season as well. Wouldn't it be amazing and wouldn't it cap Patrick Alvin's massive year if he takes the door off, flips him to the Leafs for a second round pick after getting him for a third round pick from Calgary? Well, I mean, you know, in some cases, deadline prices soar because teams teams get uh, teams get a little bit desperate. Um, let's just uh, unpack a couple of other things here uh, before we before we move on. Uh, we mentioned the season that Hunter Bristevich is having. Is having uh, let, let's put some numbers to that season. He was the 75th overall pick in last June's draft, a right shot American defenseman, six foot and 188 pounds. 
He has eight goals, 61 assists for 69 points in 47 games, gentlemen. It's just an outstanding year in the OHL. And uh, somehow, someway didn't get invited to the American World Junior Camp, possibly because he chose the Canadian development developmental route system. Then there's Yanni Yermel. So I think we can say they are selling Hunter Brestevich at a very high ebb here. Who knows if Hunter Brestevich will ever look as good as he does right now. People liked Yanni Yermo as a third round shot in the dark pick, 82nd overall in the 2020 draft, because he had size and could move a little bit, 6'3", 207. He's now 21, will be 22 years old in April, has two points uh, in six games for his current team, and that was after being moved from Tampere, uh, which is a uh, legendary finish side where he had but the one assist in 28 games really guys this is shedding a contract for the vancouver canucks so the interesting part of this deal for me is you have kuzmenko who's probably at low ebb in his nhl career brustevich the prospect that's probably at high ebb on the other end being the centerpieces the centerpieces to this deal along of course with the first round pick how much are we sweating the loss of the first round pick this year gents uh, i think Based on the Horvat model of a year ago, you expected that this was going to be sort of the centerpiece. And, you know, it's looking more and more like it's going to be a late, late first rounder. And I think I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, I don't love the idea of moving first when you think of how often they have done it. Not just this regime, but obviously the previous one sort of in job preservation mode. Uh, they've been active and certainly peddled more first rounders than most teams and, and more than I think I'd like. But given the circumstances, I think that this was draft capital that they were prepared to spend based on the season that they're having. For Stamets, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, the guy has done everything and then some as a defenseman in his draft plus one year in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, but, you know, as he develops, if Quinn Hughes is here, like I know he's a right shot guy, but ultimately there's a, a world in which Quinn Hughes is just, you know, blowing the world apart on the power play for a decade still in Vancouver. Um, you know, I, I think you have, maybe you're selling high here. And uh, I think that their pro scouts and, and their amateur scouts deserve the benefit of the doubt with the moves that they've made already this season. So uh, as much as I want to see him continue to develop, I guess we'll do it from afar and see ultimately uh, when he lands in Calgary and what that looks like for him. Uh, Yermo is wild to me because to see him with your own eyes at development camp, like, it's breathtaking. This guy has, to the eye, every tool imaginable, and yet in game action, for whatever reason, it just doesn't all come together. And there were issues about puck management and decision making and sort of being a, a, a beat slow at the leagues that he's playing in. So you can imagine if they ever got him to the American Hockey League or the NHL, uh, I think it's going to be a climb for him. So I have no issues whatsoever with uh, him being included uh, in all of that. And ultimately, Kuzmenko, I hope, uh, I hope that he's finds his scoring touch again. He's such a fun player. Uh, you know, it just, what a wild year and a half. When you, when we look back uh, on Andre Kuzmenko's time in Vancouver, they win the Derby to sign him, bursts onto the scene and scores all these goals with a big smile, takes the city by storm. And then, you know, can't score a goal to save his life here and can't get into the lineup on some nights. So uh, yeah, I was just kind of racking my brain trying to think. Pierce, we've lost Jeff there, uh, Blake. Mm -hmm. He was racking his brain and he, oh, 
Jeff, you're back. You were racking your brain about what a player who has been as what like a comet here, Andre Kuzmenko. He was there. He burned bright, and then boy, did he burn out quick. Man, oh man, yeah. I just I, I imagine a decade from now we'll all be sitting around. Remember, there was that Russian guy that was here for a <laughs> short while. And, uh, again, I hope I hope he finds his scoring mm-hmm. touch because uh, it has been a, a difficult year, obviously for him. But the fact that they are able to move off that contract and, as Blake said, even free up a, a little smidge, uh, hey, every dollar helps at this time. And I, I don't think they're done. I think if if they can find a way, uh, you know, these guys, I think, uh, kind of get in that groove, and you know, they want to just continue to to show the hockey world that in a time when everybody else says he can't make trades. Uh, all the Canucks seem to do is make deals. So I don't think they're done. Jeff, yeah, you know, speaking of which, let, let's ask this Let before you go. This, Chris, Tan- Chris Tanev, is that on the menu? Do you think there's all these rumors that it was going to be a part of this deal? Do you think Chris Tanev at the end of the day is going to be a Vancouver Canuck again? Uh, where there's smoke, there seems to be the opportunity for uh, a fire here. So, yeah, I mean, if the stories are true and no reason to doubt that, you know, Quinn Hughes is lobbied to get him back here. And the, I mean, we know how popular he was in that room and a seamless fit, like on a lot of levels. Uh, I think Adam Foote and Rick Tockett would love to get their hands on a, on a leader and a veteran and a guy that just eats shots for lunch and penalty kill and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I have to believe that, uh, you know, they've gone down that road once. Now they'll circle back and, you know, again, you got to be careful about the price you paid and you've cleared out some of your assets here. So, you know, can it be done? Uh, as I said, they were, I think they did well not to touch the top tier prospects. I don't think I'd like them to part with any of those for a 34 year old uh, at this stage of his career if he's just a rental. But let's see where it goes. But again, I something tells me just with as active as they've been. Uh, I think that there probably is another deal, even if it's not a TANF, but I, I think that there is probably another deal uh, to bolster the Canucks blue line. Would a TANF deal necessitate a Zadorov deal, gentlemen? I think one of the big salaries probably has to go, whether that's Mikheyev or 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 Zadorov to probably make that make the most amount of sense. Cause I think they do want to add one more depth forward as well, whether that's a, a Henrique or somebody like that as well. So to make that all work. Yeah. One of those big salaries probably has to go as well. Jeff? Yeah, I, would, I, I think so. And it just, again, it feels like it's more than just noise with Zadorov right now. Like for yeah. whatever reasons, I mean, Rick talk has talked about wanting this giant, you know, defense core and he's got them, but, Something kind of feels off there. And again, feels like it's more than just noise right now. So uh, certainly a player to keep an eye on, I think. Uh, I uh, saw the comment from one of our listeners saying, would not be surprised to see Kuzmenko rip it up in Calgary. I think that's one thing Canucks fans have to prepare themselves for, as we've talked about for a long time now, since he started struggling and being healthy, scratched by Rick Tockett, that Rick Tockett plays a specific system and demands specificity within that system not every coach is going to have that exact system or style and then andre kuzmenko could well flourish somewhere else uh and and jeff i i found myself thinking as you were talking about kuzmenko in 10 years from now sitting around going who is that russian forward again who burns so bright mcgillney Bure, krutov larry Onoff, kuzmenko 
seems like all Russian forwards come to Vancouver for a brief moment, burn brightly, or in some cases brighter than others, and and move move right along. I, I do think that Zadorov or some sort of salary is going to have to move out if they're adding Chris Tanov. Uh, and there's part of me that wonders whether we're just looking at a depth defenseman and a depth forward from this point forward, this point forward deadline um deadline wise if that um if that is the case guys where do you think the biggest need is now what's the one trade you would like to see before the deadline to bolster this team going into the stanley cup playoffs i'd like them to trade like a seventh round pick to get the early season Ilya mikhaev back uh (laughs) is that possible could they do that because uh, he's still a massive question mark and a, and a wild card. Uh, I mean, it was there early on, and it has just gone ice cold. And how's he going to react to uh, a buddy of his that, uh, you know, comes from the Milstein stable? And, uh, you know, I mean, he's still got Zadorov there. But, I mean, it is a, a countryman and a guy that he was able to communicate with and all those types of things. So I, I'm curious to see how, you know, it's part of the business. And Ilya McKay have seen teammates come and go. Uh, but this is a little bit different and I hope that it doesn't have any sort of adverse effect because uh, they could use his speed and they could use uh, tenacity on the forecheck and all those types of things that it's there, it's in them. We've seen it, but uh, for whatever reason, it's disappeared. Uh, so, you know, I, I like five of their top six, uh, but if Mikheyev isn't able to hold up his end of the bargain, then, you know, there's still some questions about top six, even on a team that, you know, among the league leaders in scoring, goals haven't necessarily been the issue. But, man, I'd just like to see Ilya Mikheyev be able to leave more of a mark uh, on the hockey club. Uh, that said, you can never have too much depth on D. We've seen that over the years with the Vancouver Canucks. And if they do go on a lengthy playoff run, pretty good chance that uh, they could add uh, or they could stand to use uh, even a little bit more depth back there. I'll go right shot D. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be boring. Uh, I, I think that, uh, hey, if you can turn Zadorov into a, a right shot D that Tockett likes to play in all situations, I, I, think, he'd, uh, I think he'd do backflips. All right. Well, great stuff. Um, Jeff, we certainly hope you get to your vacation destination without any kind of hassle tomorrow. Thank you for being available on short notice uh, near, somewhere near YVR uh, tonight. Blake and I are going to have more on the Friday edition of Sakaris and Price. And we want to thank everybody for joining this emergency edition of Sakaris and Price. Great Clips is the official hair salon of the National Hockey League. There are 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, all Canadian-owned and operated. Download the app and find the nearest to you. When you're up next for a cut, you'll get a ready next text. Great Clips. It's going to be great. My family's very own whiskey, barrel-aged and set apart, marked with VO, artfully blended, impeccably crafted as a wedding gift to my son for the bride and groom. And now, over a century later, from our very own family to yours, a legacy rooted in whiskey. Seagram's VO, growing deeper, reaching out, raising a glass to your legacy. Seagram's VO, make it your very own. Hey gang, if you're finding yourself a a little directionless with a purpose on a game night, may I recommend Greta. It's a great spot to catch the game throughout the season. They're at 50 West Cordova, so you're on foot. You're just walking 
to and from the game, it's a lot of fun. It's a go-to spot for food, drink specials, and fun before and after the game. They do have specials every day. They've got all-day happy hour on Wednesdays, and they've got all those arcade games to keep you busy as well. So make it a fun game night at 50 West Cordova, Greta Bar and Grill. Visit them at GretaBar.com. Well, folks, uh, we will have lots more coming up on Friday, needless to say. Lots to discuss with regards to this trade. Who's going to go where? The positions of each of these centermen with wingers. Which centermen get doubled up? Is the lot of line back in the fold here? Or, you know, where you have Elias Lindholm, maybe with a couple of wingers is another opportunity for for depth as well. But saw a lot of reaction on the internet in the wake of this trade saying, wow, to have a team with JT Miller, Elias Lindholm, and Elias Pedersen down the middle, I think a lot of people are looking at this team playoff-wise, through the playoff prism, Matt, thinking not many other teams can boast what the Vancouver Canucks have. And and I, 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 no. think, they, I think they marveled at the performance that they've seen so far this season. Uh, by by this team, but I don't know that they saw the piece and said, "Yeah, no, nobody else has got that." They are now. Yeah, and sorry, Blake, I thought we were wrapping up there, but yeah, it's an impressive, impressive looking group right now. Uh, as you always say, you've always got a lot of line in your quiver, so that is always something that I think talking in the coaching staff can go to if need be. I like how. Grady has it set up there on the visual with Lindholm and Pedersen and Mikhail playing with each other, Miller, Pia Suter, and Besser. And let's remember how good Pia Suter has looked uh, on that line. You've got center depth there because you've got two guys in Pedersen and Suter who can slide over and play center ice. And boy, how valuable that would be in a Stanley Cup playoff series. Heck, you, you, I mean, you got seven centers because Lafferty can slide over uh, and play the center. What I will say, and what I said earlier in the show is, uh, you aren't the deepest forward group. If you were to lose a couple of forwards in the Stanley Cup playoffs, suddenly I think you're playing with a pretty short bench and some guys that you don't necessarily trust. Now, that's for right now. Uh, they could very yeah. well add a depth forward. And in fact, I would suspect they would look at a depth forward from this point forward. Um, but uh, yeah, for the moment, that. That group of 12 forwards, and particularly given the way the Bluger-Joshua-Garland line is played, that top nine, that looks pretty imposing. And look, at what it lacks in the absolute superstar power of the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid in Leon Dreisaitl, uh, and we all know how good that Oilers team is playing right now, and we all know how, how much scoring the Oilers have at the top end of their roster uh, Vancouver could counter and say we're coming with a little bit more depth of forward, a little more depth of scoring. You, you look at uh, teams that go deep in the playoffs, it's surprising with the injuries who ends up playing. I mean, again, this is parked in the back of your mind here, folks, but you know, if the Canucks do go on a long road, on a long uh, playoff run, the silly pod Colson is going to be a black ace. He's going to be with the team. He's going to be around. He is uh, starting to warm up again. He had himself a heck of a weekend last weekend. Uh, it's a good sign. I'm not seeing call him up now by any stretch of the imagination. You might not see him at all in the regular season, period. But it's good to see that Pod Colson looking like the silly Pod Colson down yeah. there. And then in addition, yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't think a guy like an Adam Henrique or I mean, we've talked about guys, uh, you know, as as well like Monaghan. 
I don't think they're well, going to be that, that that expensive. Look at the, the, hey, everything comes with a cost. But given right. what we've just seen with Lindholm and the fact that the Canucks again sent a struggling five and a half million dollar winger the other way, I don't think this was a great cost. So if this is what Lindholm is getting. My gosh, I, I don't think Monahan's going to be that expensive. And if they can go out and make that happen too, holy cow! Wow. Well, um, that would be quite extraordinary, particularly when you look at uh, what people have surmised, and including uh, our friend Frank Saravelli on the asking price of Sean Mount Monahan as a late first round pick. You've just moved a late first round pick out. I see all the comments there about McCaffs next, and I understand what you and Jeff are saying. Let's get one thing straight McCaff is in a slump. Kuzmenko was just never going to be a talking style player. I think there is a distinction there. Um, not to mention the fact that Ilya Mikheyev is a pretty darn good skater on a team that, let's face it, isn't blazing fast. He's able to kill penalties. I still think that there is value in Ilya Mikheyev, and I would be surprised to see the Vancouver Canucks move him between now and the deadline. I think uh, push had come to shove with Andre Kuzmenko. I think we're still a ways away from that with Ilya Mikheyev. If it's going to be another depth forward, Blake, it either has to be somebody who's pretty, so a couple of things. If you get a big injury and you're able to go into long-term injury reserve for the rest of the season, that would be one thing. That would open up all markets. But with where they are cap-wise now, and they have saved a little bit on this Kuzmenko for Lindholm trade, not a lot, but 650 K or, or thereabouts. Um, I think it's going to have to be a lower cost forward. I mean, Adam Henrique's a $5.8 million cap hit right now, even if the Anaheim ducks were to keep retain 50% of the salary there, I still think you're talking about a player who's pretty rich. I mean, and, and Sean Monahan even is a, a couple million, couple million dollar guy there. So I would suspect that if there is another forward to add, it would be a little deeper in the season, a little closer to trade deadline where you don't have to take on as much salary as you do uh, in the here and now. And I would like to think, I would I would think at this stage of the proceedings, unless you get an LTIR situation, that you're looking at a affordable player, uh, both from a money point of view and from a, what they will cost to bring them in um, cap friendly cap friendly's got them at almost 1.9 million in cap space right now so um you'd need to be moving some salary probably at the same time and expect if it's one of those bigger price guys some holding back from the team that uh, that is sending them out as well so you need a little bit of help for sure um but if this Sadorov smoke uh it does contain a fire underneath it there's there's some salary cap relief right there, and that might be a completely separate deal. There might be there might be a bunch of wheeling and dealing here, Matt. And uh, yeah. we wondered if it might go down here at the at the All Star break here with some time to just sit in their thoughts. And I, gosh, I'm not I'm not putting it beyond the possibility that by the time they take to the ice again in a week's time, that maybe there's another trade that we're talking about. Yeah, I again, I would be surprised uh, there. I think you know they're going to drop Lindholm into this lineup in Carolina when they get back at it after the All-Star game and see how that goes. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think no, more work is needed here. Um, you know, interestingly, and everyone's saying Tanif, and I understand uh, a beloved former Vancouver Canuck, a playoff-style player, the way he eats pucks and defends, and a guy who can play the right side, which, of course, would balance out your, your lefties and your righties. Um, remember, we've 
quite liked Noah Juleson this year, and Carson Soucy will be back at some point. Um, I, I guess I think the one thing that the Vancouver Canucks hierarchy is probably going to have to decide here over the next month or so, Blake, is do we want to add yet another consequential piece with some salary a la a Chris Tanev, or do we want to add some volume, uh, a depth defenseman and a depth forward that maybe in totality of their salaries add up to something a little closer to Chris Tanev? Do they feel they need more quality now, or do they feel they need more quantity? I think that's a big question for us. If I'm Rick talking, I want six guys to start, and you're always going to subtract because of injury during the playoffs, but I want six guys that I believe in, like gutturally, I believe in them, you know, and I don't know that he's got those six guys right now. I think he loves Juleson as a depth piece, but I don't know if he's a guy that he wants to start with those top six theoretical guys at the, you know, put him in pen on game one. I don't know if he wants Juleson to be that. I want, I think he wants Juleson to be the first bit of relief. Yeah. Well, if, if you're healthy with Susie, theoretically, Juleson is your seventh guy right that's with Zadorov, but i don't think he i don't think he feels it with Zadorov. that's the thing so so sean's asking there what kind of package do you think tanif is fetching it's a great question i would have to say um look i i, I don't think there's any way that calgary's gonna let him go for less than a, a second round pass second round pick plus something else i i thought second and a prospect yeah yeah how, how, how good that prospect is like Somebody, uh, another uh, bit of feedback, I think, off YouTube was um, pods for Tanev. Um, boy, that's 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 pretty rich for a 34-year-old um, guy. I yeah. don't know. I don't well, know. and, you know, listening to you talk about Pub Colson and him potentially being of help, um, you know, the one thing I would say is, well, a few things I would say, Linus Carlson has been the guy they've called up. We still haven't seen our steep. Baines. Baines is leading them in scoring. He's an AHL all-star and he's a responsible two-way forward, uh, not to mention a local kid who I think the market would go bananas for if he did anything uh, of substance with the Vancouver Canucks. And then if any of those Abbotsford forwards are going to be trusted in a Stanley Cup playoff game, then there's probably about two, three, four more weeks before they uh, look, I think you would need to see that player over at least a month of NHL play before you trust them international in a Stanley cup playoff game. Could you see talk it throwing a kid in, in the Stanley cup playoffs without a proper sort of baptism? I, I, I have a little bit of trouble with that. So I would think that if any of those Abbotsford forwards, MJD San Ratu uh, in the package for Tanif, but Baines, Pud Colson, Ratu, um, any of those guys, if they're going to play Stanley Cup playoff games, then I think they have to be Vancouver Canucks and playing regularly by March 15th. Hey, necessity is the mother of invention. And, um, you know, you, you think back to 2011, uh, did any of us expect that Chris Tanev was going to be playing five games? Um, you know, like it, you, you need what you need because you need it. And it, you, you, uh, you just want to have guys that theoretically can do the job. The fact that Pod Colson's played as many NHL games as he has, I think, puts him to the front line. He is second on the team in scoring now down in Abbotsford. Uh, I don't think we saw that coming, especially with the injury that he sustained. So um, there's lots to like there. I, I think they're going to let him cook for another month or so, at least before they even consider bringing him up. Um, 
But, you know, I, I don't know that they need much more than I would like some more depth for sure. Some more forward depth. But I think I think one more body like a legitimate National Hockey League body is probably good enough. If you have any sort of confidence in a guy like Baines or Pod Goldson, I, I think uh, I think those guys are, are probably going to rear their head before the end of the regular season and ultimately, again, be a black ace come playoff time. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think they need injuries to get into the lineup, and then I think they need to make uh, an impression. So I think we're a couple of a couple of steps away from them. I, I am somewhat interested in using some of them as trade chips by the by the deadline here. Um, you know, I do think that Vasily Podkolzin is likely on his final opportunity with the Vancouver Canucks whenever he gets that next opportunity and remember he is not a player of this regime uh, it was the previous regime that drafted him so I, I think if the right offer is there to bolster this club at the NHL level with proven NHL players then I think you have to look at Vasily Patkolson as a potential uh, trade ship uh, interesting like Di Giuseppe has a you know a little bit of sort of playoff style to his game is there any chance that he makes uh, a recovery and has a comeback within his comeback, if you will, here, uh, Blake, because uh, we were talking about him so much over those first eight to 10 games when he was playing well on that Besser and JT Miller line. You yeah. know, Baines, I'm intrigued. Ratu, just because he's a center Iceman or feasibly can play the center. But, you know, as we've talked about with the lineup you've got now, you got potentially seven guys who can play the middle. So you wonder if Atu Ratu is not a little bit more blocked today with this acquisition of Lindholm, not to mention, uh, you know, given the work of Teddy Blue or given the work of Sam Lafferty and guys who are playing, playing on the big club. So, you know, I, I look at the entirety of that Abbotsford group now, and frankly, uh, with the exception of the goaltender Seelops, who I think is probably still in the long-term plans and is likely to be, Thatcher Demko's backup as soon as potentially next season. Maybe McWard is a little bit different as well because I think he's a guy that um, they specifically targeted. We're happy to get, and he's a right shot defenseman. But I take a look at the rest of the Abbotsford group, and I wonder if that's more trade fodder than that is NHL help this year and particularly in the Stanley cup playoffs. I, I mean, I, of the prospects, I think you gotta be very careful with pod Colson. He's an interesting specimen. He he's 22 years of age for another six months. Like he's still so young. And the fact that now he is actually showing signs of traction, boy, I'd be very careful if I were the, the Vancouver Canucks in that one. And not to Roger, it's funny. I don't have any, any particular heartstrings attached to him, but he just turned 21. He's tied for second with pod Colson in scoring on that team. I mean, not many 21, 22 year olds are tied for second in AHL scoring with a guy who just turned 23, incidentally, leading the way in RC Baines. I mean, to have three youngsters doing so well down the farm, you got to be pretty convinced that maybe that's their high end before you, you make any trade. Or if you're going to trade them, by all means, they're not untouchable. But I want guy, a guy with term coming back, or I want a guy who wants to resign with the Vancouver Canucks and, at a reasonable freight uh, coming back the other way. So it just, uh, you ha for a rental, boy, I, I don't know. It would have to be one heck of a rental for, for one of those guys to be pried loose for me. Yeah. And, and I hear you, Blake, but the rest of the league looks at Vasily Podkolson as a first round pick who's on the verge of going bust. Um, we're holding the candle for him because he's the 10th overall pick. 
we're holding a candle for him because he represented something bright about the future when this team was in very, very dark days. And yeah, you got to like the bounce back that you're seeing in Abbotsford. And they are saying all the right things about him with regards to, we're going to make sure he's ready the next time that he, he comes on up, but I just don't think he can be untouchable. Like you have declared with the trade you made today, not to mention with the extension that you signed Patrick Alvin to today, that this year and the three years subsequent are your window. Like that's what you're looking at competitively. And of course, you know, I say that that's assuming you get a deal done with Elias Pettersson. That's assuming you get a deal done with Philip Ronick, who of course been such big parts of this turnaround and the fantastic hockey club that we've watched through, through 50 games here uh, this season. So, you know, as it stands right now, you're, pretty much all in on this year and if you want to extend it any it's going to be a you know window of the next two to three years while these managers are still under contract while thatcher demko and queen hughes are still on good value contracts so i think anything that helps you win most acutely this year but if it happens to be able to help you over the next two to three years after this season I think that's absolutely where Rutherford and Nelvine's attention and focus is in. Um, they they said and were quite um, honest about how they felt like they had to give this group the best chance that they had deserved the right to get more help and to be a better hockey club come late April in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and you got to hand it to them because they put their money where their mouth is today with a very big swing and a very big trade. Light engine on YouTube saying in the comments here, how excited should we be here? Are, are we going all the way? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I get it, light engine. Well, I get it. It's pretty exciting stuff. It, it, like, honestly, it's, it's a pinch yourself moment if you're a Canucks fan from the depths of the last decade mm-hmm. to where they find themselves now as a first place team making deals for, if he's not a first-line center, he's a second-line center in Elias Lindholm. It's a yeah. pinch-yourself moment. I, I really can't believe yeah. that that's what we're talking about. And, and he figures to be the biggest name or one of the biggest names and likely the biggest name centerman to be traded between yeah. now and March 8th. I mean, it would be quite surprising if there's a centerman dealt over the next five five or six weeks who has had more NHL success than Elias Lindholm at this stage of the proceedings. Now, Jake Gensel might be traded from Pittsburgh and for some Jake Gensel is the superior player with all the scoring he has done on Sidney Crosby's wing. But, you know, I think it already stands here on January 31st that the Vancouver Canucks are walking away with one of the deadline prizes. One of the guys will probably be on the podium of best deadline uh, players moved Now, there's a couple of ways to look at that. One is that we put a whole lot of emphasis on the trade deadline, and oftentimes it's that under-the-radar move with a pre-existing good team that has more impact than the team that's on the cusp that's looking to add the the big name. But the other side of that is the Vancouver Canucks just got significantly better if this player plays to his reputation, and particularly if he plays beyond where he's Uh, where he's gone this year. And there's reason to believe that he could do that with the right fit of line mates in Vancouver. And if that's the case, then yeah, absolutely. 
dare to dream. It's a hell of a Western Conference this year with an Edmonton team that's won 16 in a row and has one of the, you know, two of the great players in the world, two of the great players of their generation. You've got the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, who are going to get Jack Eichel back and may conveniently have him, you know, miss enough time to load up LTIR-wise at the deadline. And then you have some pretty good-looking teams in the Central, including uh, including a recent Stanley Cup champion, the Colorado Avalanche, who have just passed the Vancouver Canucks in terms of goals uh, goals per game into top spot in the NHL. I believe Colorado's averaging uh, 0.04 goals more than Vancouver, but both of them are near four goals per game. So it's a, it's a hell of a field. It's a hell of a gauntlet. But with the player that they've added today, particularly at what is being subtracted from the club, which, let's face it, is not much the way Andre Kuzmenko was playing, um, they have taken uh, a significant step towards getting through this Western Conference gauntlet or at least giving themselves the best chance to advance multiple rounds in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Likely a good fit too, system-wise. Um, I, I, yeah, I just it works in a lot of ways, and I don't think it's a grotesque overpay. You got to give up something. You got you have to pay. You don't get these kinds of players for free. The Canucks pay the cost, but I think it's a reasonable one. And right now on Twitter, ninety-one percent, and on YouTube, I just saw over a thousand votes already. So thanks for all your attention, there, folks. And eighty-seven uh, percent on on YouTube here saying. Um, that they like the trade as well. So uh, people people knew that it was going to come with a cost, Matt, and it sounds like Canuck Nation as a whole are more than willing to uh, to pay the price right now yeah. to, to improve. Well, I, uh, in, in that regard, Blake, I think uh, this management group traded the right players, uh, especially with regards to where the market was at. They did not trade World Junior MVP, Jonathan Lekramaki. They did not trade first-round pick, Tom Wielander, the right shot defenseman. They tro- they traded the nameless, faceless first-round pick this year, which if they were to advance to the Stanley Cup final would be in the 30s. If they make the conference final would be uh, no better than 20, no better than 29th. That's right at the end of a first round that, let's face it, people aren't clamoring about this first round and this draft as much as they have previous drafts, particularly Last year, they traded Bristevich, who I think people were excited about, but he's a little bit of a deeper cut for your casual Vancouver Canucks fan. I'm not sure they're tracking every third-round pick that's no. out there. Um, so, you know, in the, in that sense, he wasn't a world junior player, so in that sense, he wasn't quite uh, as known or as coveted by this fan base. And, and uh, I think everybody realized that, you know, it had reached the end with Andre Kuzmenko. It needed to be resolved and be resolved permanently that he just wasn't going to get back into Rick Tockett's good graces, that he is just not ever going to be a Rick Tockett style player. And of course they did not trade Nils Hoaglander, Blake, who I, boy, I, and the way this trade is received from Vancouver Canucks fans, if that's Nils Hoaglander, as opposed to Andre Kuzmenko, we'd heard his name out there. We'd even heard that the Calgary flames were most interested in him as a player. So to be able to take, uh, to keep Hoaglander, Lekramaki, and Wielander out of this trade, I think is why you're seeing all the raves and everybody in every, all Canucks fans loving this trade to the extent that they do. My party words tonight will come from Cody Sweet on Twitter. I want a whole team of just Elias's and Nils's. Somewhere right. there has to be a hockey player named Elias Hoaglander or Nils Pedersen. Right. We, we've done the homework. 
There's an 18-year-old playing for guess who? Moto Jr. 18 undrafted Niels Pedersen. Please, for the love of all that's holy, Vancouver Canucks, go Mm -hmm. get Niels Pedersen. Maybe we could get an uh, Elias Nils or a Nils Elias somewhere if we look deep enough on uh, elite prospects and hockey DB play. Um, Marvelous stuff. This time we're ending for real. Um, I said goodbye last time. We were just saying goodbye to Jeff. So thanks for everybody for tuning in. We're going to have more on Sakarison Price on Friday. Thanks, everybody.